okay. I do everything. I'm a general practitioner. So I do maternity. And with maternity, it means just tonight I got two calls already. The, this is typical. So in a week, um, I would deliver probably a baby, one or two babies every week. And this usually happen around midnight, 1 a.m. So it means I have to rush and drive to the hospital to do the delivery. I, I don't know why babies come at night, but usually they do. I, I don't know how it happens. If I'm supposed to go run, if I'm going for a marathon, like I have, and not much happens in Namibia. So most of the stuff happens in South Africa. I have to go for a, a hundred mile or whatever. That's the night before I'm guaranteed to deliver a baby. So I'll be up all night doing a delivery, knowing I'm flying out in the morning to go and run. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of the podcast. In this episode, I chat with Keleto Nyati. When I started recording, I thought we were going to talk about a Mac. But Keleto's life is just one big adventure. He has one adventure after another. Disclaimer, please don't try any of this at home. You'll see what I'm talking about as you listen to the episode. Keleto is nicknamed Classy Doc and he is based in Namibia. He has literally run all over the world. We talk about Keleto running amok, just a bit, being a dad and also managing a very, very hectic and busy schedule as a general practitioner in Namibia. Keleto grew up in Zimbabwe and we also slightly touch on the running history of Zimbabwe. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It ended up just being a general chat with Keleto really, talking about lots of different things, including running a mark. Here's my episode with Keleto. Yeah, so how come you haven't run yet? Are you recovering or are you fed up with running? No, maybe I'm I just done with running for now. <laughs> uh, I don't I feel like I don't have to. Um I think I've done only one run. The recovery run that was just like just after I, I got back, really? and then after that I haven't done anything at all. Oh my god! I don't run. That's so interesting. Uh, Wait, no, but no. Carl I think Kupo I can... just now. Do you know who's messing up my perceptions of time? It's Marius van Rensberg, because he's running everything. <laughs> <laughs> So he has messed up my perception of time. You're okay. Of course you ran a hundred miler a couple of weeks ago. Of course you should be resting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But this is basically all what I do. Um, That's what I've been doing the whole year. After UTMB, I -hmm. ran, I didn't even run anything at all. Mm -hmm. I went, I, I volunteered to do, sweeping but basically i was just removing ribbons from a 21k course mm. that's what that was about it and that was on the saturday before calculus that was the first run after utmb so i, I wouldn't even consider that a run yeah wow so i don't run <laughs> so for me this is normal <laughs> no but you you do the right thing though I think. I don't, I don't know. I just don't train. 
Oh my word. Okay, no. Let's let's get to know you first because I'm curious about this. Keleto, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Um thank you for inviting me, Linda. <laughs> okay, please introduce yourself. Tell us who is Keleto and when how you started running. Um okay. I was born in Zimbabwe. So I grew up in a town called Bulawayo. It's like the second biggest town in Zim. Mm-hmm. I've always been a runner, I guess, because my father was a marathon runner. He is now very old. He's like 70, what, 77 years old. Uh-huh. So he doesn't run anymore. But uh, my, I grew up in a house full of marathon medals everywhere. He was a police officer and his job was basically to train recruits. So he would take them up to the Matopos Hills and run up and down. So he did a lot of running and he did a lot of local races. So every like Christmas or New Year, we'll go run as a family. Uh, I've got two brothers. So every new year would go running as a family with my dad and that, that's how we'll start the year. Mm. So this running thing has always been around me in the family. Yeah, at school, I, I didn't like run much. I, I just did what was hired because they were, it's sports. But uh, I, I never did any long distance running. I, I never really did. Uh, sprints and stuff like that. I actually played more basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got to my, when I left uh, secondary school, that's when I started running uh, long distance. And so my first, first ever run was in Bulawayo. There was a, a local race called the Bulawayo Half Marathon. So that race was unique in that the the organizers actually planned the route to go around the the locations where people stay so that the local people can get a feel of what the running is like. You know, traditionally all the marathons are held out of town in like these remote areas and it becomes inaccessible. We did it together with my father as a challenge because it was like, you won't be able to finish this distance. I'd never run anything before. So we went and um, I actually managed to beat him. In that, fight, in that first race that we did together. And that should have been around uh, 1996, I think. Sorry, how and old then, were you when you did your, your half? I was uh, 18 years old. Okay. Yeah. Of course you were young, and then, man. Of course you were going to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was you, but well, he had done this countless times. Mm-hmm. And then again, I saw two weeks later in the newspaper, there was an advert for the Matopos 33 miler. It's like, it was, it was a very big race in Zim at that time. Mm-hmm. And then I just signed up and I went and ran it and I had fun. And after that, I just started running ultras. So basically since you were about 19. Yeah. At 18, I ran my first, uh, 33 miles. Oh, yes, because you were 18 and you did the half. <gasps> did the half, yeah. So you're like, a, wow. Okay, that's okay. Let me just gather my thoughts. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> your story reminds me of mine very little because my dad was a policeman as well. 
And my first wow. memory of running was running with my dad, but he wasn't as seasoned a runner as your dad was. And the second comment is, of course, only someone from Bulawayo would say Bulawayo because... <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not Bulawayo. <laughs> as you can hear me, I say Bulawayo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm speaking in English. How do we say it in Sean? I can't say Bulawayo. Yeah, that's In Sean, I... it's Bulawayo. No. <laughs> I know I'm one of those people. Don't judge me. No, oh. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know if people still say Bulawayo because I, I haven't been home in, in a long time. I left Zimbabwe in 2000, 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. So I've been away for 14 years and I still call Bulawayo Bulawayo. I, I, I hardly go home. <laughs> no, let me think. My parents... Ashona and no, they say Bulawayo. We we say that B like that. I think it's because uh-huh. you're you're are you Ndevele or are you Shona or but also you're from there, so you pronounce it properly. That's the proper way to pronounce it. Yeah, well, I, I'm not Ndevele or Shona. I'm actually Sutu. My father is Sutu. So ah, okay. okay, but uh, because I'm from Bulawayo, in in Zimbabwe, you're either Shona or Ndebele. Yes, so that's it, true. Is a, is all encompassing because Ndebele, the Ndebele uh, kingdom was like it united everyone. So it just took Tswanas and and uh, Sutus and Tongas and just put everyone together, Kalangas, ah. and we all called Ndebele. So Ndebele, the, the pure, pure Ndebeles were a very small minority. So oh. the whole empire was made up of captured clans and tribes, and everyone was called Ndebeles. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. So the pure Ndebeles were the royal family. That's basically what was, what was the, the thing at the time with Lopemula and Nsidigas and stuff. Oh. So if you're a pure, pure Ndebele, you're a royal family. Uh-oh. And then if, if if and then everyone else we like we just made up the numbers. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting! I didn't know that. Huh. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Wow. It's, it's just I haven't heard someone call it that in a in a while. So it's <laughs> it's fascinating to me. Yeah. So so basically, since you were eighteen, wow. Okay. Yes. So so your body is actually used to running. So. Do you know how many ultras you've done? I have no idea. I don't know how many marathons I've done. I have no idea. Do you know when I started running, um, there was no GPS? <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. it was there, but it was public domain. So mm-hmm. what I would do, like, uh, if I needed to run and know how far I went, I would go to the library, borrow an Aklias, sit down with a stream, and trace the route that I want to run, then measure it on a ruler, then use the scale at the bottom there to calculate the distance that I'm going to run. That's how I used to run. So I started with a shoestring. After that, um, okay, it took a while. When I went to medical school and then I was in Harare, um, I went to the, the the National Geographic office. There, there's an office there. And I went there and said, guys, I've got a computer. 
can you please give me like a digital map because I'm tired of using this string. They were like, you know, we can't give it to you. It's classified. This was before Google Maps. So you couldn't just go online and say, I want to see where I am or run. It was not there. It just didn't exist. So I, I to still contend with just counting <laughs> strings mm-hmm. and stuff like that to measure distance. It was a crazy time. So what I, at that time I used to like have, well, when school was really tight and I'm stressed, I would do what I call the run till you drop mm. and then run back. So I would just get out of campus and run in any direction I choose until I'm really, really tired and lost. And then just look for combis going to town and follow them. And eventually I'll find myself back in Mount Pleasant and back at the college. That's how I was training. So I had no idea how far I was running. And I usually ran out of frustration. Wow. And most, <laughs> those were beautiful times. Wow. So what's the, do you know, what's, do you think you ran like to Mazoe or not that far? Like, I'm just trying um, to picture which direction did you go? I, I love taking the Boro Del Road thing uh-huh. and just run in, in the Clean Lawn. I would run into Clean Lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even forgotten some of the places. I would mm-hmm. run to Highlands. <laughs> I'll just pick a, a, a direction and go. No, Harare was very beautiful at that time. Everything was still it kept was. up. Yeah. It was. It was. It was nice. Oh, I can so, imagine running in the jacarandas. It, we were running in the jacarandas and these quiet roads. and Nobody bothered you. Yes. So, I never trained for a race. I don't ever, okay, I started training for, for races, maybe when I started doing comrades, but I never, I would just be reading the paper and you know, see an advert, oh, there's a race this weekend. You sign mm. up. That's it. That, that's how I used to do it. That's how I used to do it. You just see there's an advert for a race, sign up, go, run. Usually I'll be very late. I remember there was a time when I was going for a marathon and I had to run to the venue. I mm-hmm. couldn't get a taxi to go there. So I'm I'm running to the venue and I meet the first guys running the opposite direction. So I had to run to the start and say, I'm here. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then join the crew. Yeah, that's, that's how I've always been. So that's how I started and I'm still doing the same. I'm always late for races. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't start now. <laughs> oh my goodness. So basically you just you obviously fit enough to just run a marathon at the drop of a hat. That's so that's how I feel like my baseline, but actually I've upgraded my baseline fitness is a hundred K. When was this? Uh, 20, 2020, I think 2020. Um, I got stressed. Then I decided, let me just go to Hong Kong. I went and ran the Hong Kong ultra with mm-hmm. zero training. Yes. Um, it was fun. <laughs> But I suffered. <laughs> so yeah, 100K, but I suffered. <laughs> I think I think that was my first. I don't think um, I knew your name, but I think I saw you on Facebook and I was like, oh, I'm going to say this a black trail runner in a Hong Kong ultra. Okay. <laughs> and this is a South African. Okay. And I... I think it just slipped my mind after that. I was just like, 
wow okay I think you were recording a video of yourself running I don't know if that was you and I was just like oh this is interesting and then (laughs) that was it I mean the memory comes back to me now uh it's Uh, just fascinating to me that you can live in the same city as someone be practically the same generation as someone but your lives are so different to each other like you could live in the same place but your lives it's like a timeline a parallel timeline but everyone's experience is so different it's true it's true did you live in Harare around the same time I lived in Harare of course I grew up in Harare I went to I went to a boarding school in 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 Macheke, but I did my A levels at St John's Emerald Hill, right? So okay, that was yeah. ninety eight, ninety nine. But you was probably still in Bulawayo, getting ready to. No, go. I was at the university ninety nine. Oh, were you at varsity? Okay, so I was yeah, doing my A levels there, which means yeah. I would probably been around your area where you were running. But isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It is. Whatever race was in Harare between 99 and probably 2005, 6, I ran it. Any any event, I did the Ironman. The Ironman is a 65K run in mm-hmm. Harare. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was used to be sponsored by Standard Chartered, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did those ones. I did the Peter Gradwells. I don't know how many. And, and all the races that were in Harare, the boat low, the, what was that one? The boat long year. Mm-hmm. Ah, there were many. <laughs> there were many. I re- there was a, 30, a, a 20 miler. I think Econet took over that 20 miler. Yeah. It was all, everything was organized by HAC, Harare Athletics Club. So I was a member of HAC. Mm-hmm. I went to run the, um, this 20 miler, and Bruce Fordyce was there. Oh. He came in for one run. I was like so like starstruck, like wow, I'm actually running a race with Bruce the Bruce Ford. What I see, yes, in his heyday, yes. And I, I I I never imagined myself going to run comrades. It was like wow, this would be like a bucket list item. But this guy came to Harare and we're running with him okay. here. Now this is doable. Ah. <laughs> uh. My goodness. Actually, that is so cool. Speaking is, of Zim, is. they have a hundred miler that they're planning. So Oh, they do. Yes. I spoke to a guy. <clears throat> this episode is not yet out. But yeah. obviously by the time I release yours, his will be out. And okay. uh, they're they're organizing a hundred miler in Nyanga. Wow. Yeah, I heard something about a trail run there. Yeah. Don't they have one, just like a normal trail, maybe marathon? They've got Skyrun. Sky, they have the Skyrun. Are they just going to expand the Skyrun? No, it's going to be a hundred miler. Oh, okay. Mm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just like today, earlier this evening, I was talking to one of my friends. We we're speaking about uh, bringing a hundred miler to Namibia. And she yeah. was like, you know what, let's, let's do it, but um, we, we make it like a gravel road thing so that we can get everyone in and we make, uh, make it a relay. Because if we say it's a pure trail, 100 miler, mm-hmm. we'll probably have five guys running it. <laughs> no, but you market it to South Africans as well. Oh, South Africans will come. But yeah, it won't be that many. You're right. 
Yeah, yeah. So she says we need numbers, we need to get people involved. So we have to we have relays, maybe a four-man team for those mm-hmm. who want, like, yeah, so that we can get the numbers in and get corporates involved and stuff who can yeah. sponsor their teams. Because this if we exciting. just make it a pure hundred yeah. miles, people won't do it. <laughs> No, it's it's exciting because I think uh, it's 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 also infiltrating Africa. That's exciting, yeah. yeah. So you've actually um, given me a leeway to ask you, what's it like running in Namibia? Of course, I have no concept of what running in Namibia is like, but in my mind, and this is very bad of me because I've never been to Namibia. I imagine wide open spaces and that sort of thing. But what is it like actually running in Namibia? Uh, same here. When I was in Zim, what well, all I knew of Namibia is the desert. So when I came here, I thought I would find desert. Mm-hmm. Then I go to Vinduk. It's green. It's beautiful. It's a clean city with hills. I was mind blown. I was like, wow, Vinduk is beautiful. I'm staying here. So I made the decision to move to Vinduk like just like that. I was supposed to just pass through and they say, I decided I'm not going back. I'm staying here. <laughs> and that's how I moved. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> so running here, um, there there isn't a lot of trail. I did my first trail in Namibia at the Fish River Canyon. Mm-hmm. It, the Fish River Canyon, that whole area is 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 out of this world. I don't know if it's true, but they do say the Fish River Canyon is the second biggest canyon in the world i think after the grand canyon in the u.s or something like that but it's beautiful it's nice it's wild and it's it's basically desert it's it's just rocks and um so when you run the fish river canyon you start on top and then you descend the descent is basically vertical you just drop down into the canyon and then you run along uh, for 100 k's and then you come out at the other end there's springs uh, hot springs that's the finish but it's a beautiful journey following that it's a dry river bed that you'll be running on mm-hmm. there's a lot of rocks and sand that's nice but um that's the only trail basically that's organized in Nam- by namibians in namibia mm-hmm. the other one there's a, a Trans-Namibia crossing mm. thing, but it's coming from South Africa. It's organized from South Africa. Mm. And then there's a, a part of the five desert marathons, that the, the desert series, the desert races with the Gobi Desert. And the, I think Marathon de Sable is part of it. Mm-hmm. These stage races, yeah. I've yeah. never done those. They are just too expensive. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Those things are crazy expensive. Ah, isn't that interesting? Now I want to um, visit Fish River Canyon. The world has so many places to visit. Yeah, if you want to do a road run, there is a road run between Walvis Bay and Swakopmund. This is at the coast. So Namibia has like a coastline at the west. That race is amazing because you are running on one side, there is an ocean. Yes, and on the other side is desert. So there's a road basically that separates desert and ocean, and you're running on that for 42 kilometers, start to finish. It's it's beautiful. Wow, is um, I always ask. I have to ask. Is it safe though? Like if I came and I just ran one man, is it safe? 
Um, if you came five years ago, 100%. Now, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinduk itself is, I think Vinduk is a city and there's been a lot of migration and, you know, with the poverty gap, uh, people are starting to get marked now. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I, I haven't seen any stories of uh, women being marked, but they mark everyone. They, I don't think they discriminate. Mm-mm. So if you if you run, COVID started all this. Before COVID, everything was fine. Then uh, during COVID, people were using running as an excuse to get out of the house. Mm. So it, like at five o'clock, everyone is outside and is running the whole family from mother, father, and yes. the kids. So like the roads were just, and then everyone took up running. But unfortunately, they had to use some dangerous roads. So some people continued doing that even after uh, the COVID thing. Um, and those roads, now the, the, the thieves are targeting them because they know runners are using this road. So the, mm-hmm. these are roads I used to run by myself. It was fun. I stopped because now everyone is running there and now everyone knows about these roads. So that's where the people just go and hang around and wait for you to come running by yourself and you get mugged. Ah, okay. Yeah, COVID was, I mean, I was saying it's good because it got people into our sport, but it is, yeah. on the other hand, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you want stuff to do by yourself, like, yeah, yes, yes. You don't want to share it with others, yeah. Yeah, but, I know. It's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I know what you mean. Uh, it's it's sad that uh, we always have to ask, is it safe? But it is It is what it is, right? You, you can't do it yourself. I used to, okay, I had to move out of the city. I now stay out of town because, <laughs> okay, I, I didn't like the crowding. I used to come out at midnight and, and go for a 20K run because that's the only time I get to, to run. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to put in mileage for comrades, I, I would have to do that. Mm-hmm. My, my training really, really sucks. Sometimes I, I would do 100 kilometers from January to comrades, including two oceans. That's my training. So <laughs> to get that mileage still, I would have to really squeeze. My days are packed from morning to evening. I don't have time. So in the end, I have to run at night. Okay, so... And I used to run. My (sighs) next question, how do you make time? Obviously, I don't know what it's like being a doctor. All I know is what I've seen on TV and on the news. And if you also have a family, then you need to make time for that. So how do you actually make time? I can't. It's impossible. I, I could try and wake up earlier in the morning, uh, but then it means my sleep is affected. So if your sleep is poor, your performance mm-hmm. is poor. Yeah. So the only way I stay fit is um, I, I walk whenever I can. So mm-hmm. I don't take stairs. I, I, I walk. I walk. I can park my car and walk around. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit on a physio ball in the office mm-hmm. and I do a lot of walking. I can do like six kilometers just in my office. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I go get a patient from the reception, walk back with them, and after I'm done, take them back. Just because I don't want files to be delivered to me. So I go pick up the file, get the patient. So I put in a lot of walking and I'm standing most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch my diet, so I make sure I don't get fat. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's about it. And okay. if I'm lucky, I could run weekends. So I would do Saturday and Sunday. That's it. That's my training. Yo. Okay, so interesting. I'm going to ask <laughs> about being... <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know why I find it interesting? Uh, I'll tell yeah. you why. It's because I've only ever experienced one type of runner in my oh, life. Yeah, you speak to the elite guys. Who... <laughs> no, I don't. I yeah. don't speak to elite guys. No, not... <laughs> Yeah. No, no, okay, let's so uh uh <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever encountered one type of runner, right? And they are very mm. disciplined, stick to the program, everything is like tip top, everything, stick to the program. I, on the other hand, right? Yeah, I try to stick to the program as much as I can, but I struggle with sticking to the program. So like today, I'm so tired and I'm thinking I'm supposed to run a 15K. How do I squeeze in that 15K? Because I'm fatigued and I'm thinking I work six days. I'm tired. I need to sleep. What do I do? So I mentally have to tell myself, Linda, this is you. This is the best you can do. You love running. It's your hobby. Don't put yourself under too much pressure. So you are the opposite end of you've accepted that this is your life and you just do what you can. With the exactly. time you have. Yeah. I run because I enjoy it. If mm-hmm. I feel like it's a chore, I don't do it. I would cancel at one kilometer and go home. Mm-hmm. Running should come naturally. It shouldn't be forced. That's how I feel. But then again, I don't make money from running. So <laughs> that's not good advice. <laughs> no, I don't think a lot of people make money out of running, eh? I think it's really? a hobby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, there are a few people who make money, but not a lot. Okay. Mm. Uh, but you you suffer. If you if you go run ultras without training, you will you will suffer a little bit more than people actually train. It's physiology. But that's where now the mental part comes in. I guess. Yeah, but I think, Kelezo, the fact that you started at 18 means you have time in your legs. So you have that in your favor. The the endurance, the endurance definitely is there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so I am curious. This is just me being curious. What What is your day like as a doctor living in Namibia? Explain to me what your day is like and maybe what your community, like where you work. What's that like? Give us a picture, a mental um, picture. Okay, I, let me give you a typical day. So I've got a two-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my responsibility to take him to school. So we wake up in the morning and uh, I get him ready. <clears throat> my mother goes to work early, so she goes and I stay with him. I run my own practice so I can set my own times. Mm-hmm. So I prefer to start work at, say, 9 o'clock. It's not really set in stone. 8.30 some days. But I will have to drop my son off at school first because we don't have a name. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll go um, get him ready and drive him to his school. There's like four hospitals that I uh, I can admit my patients into. So mm-hmm. I'll have to go check out all those admitted patients first before I go to my office. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole planning thing to say, okay, what's the most convenient r- route that I can use or the most efficient route? And mm-hmm. then after he's dropped off at school, I finish my rounds. And then I go to the practice. Um, I try to do bookings, but usually most people just walk in. Mm-hmm. So the minute I step into the office, I start seeing patients until maybe 5 p.m. And then I still need to do a bit of admin. But fortunately, the mom can go pick up the boy at school and go home. And then I'll follow me around 7 because mm-hmm. now I'm trying to cut down. I used to work until 8, 9 p.m. I'm getting old, so I'm kind of cutting down. So then I'll go home, and then it's time to play and probably go to sleep around 11. Mm-hmm. And then we're up again at 5. So wow. to squeeze mm-hmm. in sleep time there, it's almost impossible. <laughs> but yeah. I do have like a busy practice and it's a solo practice it's all on me i i don't have anyone else to assist so i have to see all the patients myself okay that's the regular work i do everything i'm a general practitioner so i do maternity and with maternity it means just tonight i got two calls already one patient is like, okay, I'm seeing some funny bleeding. Is this fine? Okay, it's fine. You can sleep. Another one's like, I think my water is about to break. What should I do now? This is typical. So in a week, um, I would deliver probably a baby, one or two babies every week. And this usually happen around midnight, 1 a.m. So it means I have to rush and drive to the hospital to do the delivery. I, I don't know why babies come at night, but usually they do. So <laughs> they like if to I inconvenience plan, us. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how it happens. If I'm supposed to go run, if I'm going for a marathon, like I have, and not much happens in Namibia. So most of the stuff happens in South Africa. I have to go for a, a hundred mile or whatever. That's the night before. I'm guaranteed to deliver a baby. So I'll be up all night doing a delivery, knowing I'm flying out in the morning to go and run. And I usually time it that I I get there and run the same day so that I don't take too much time away from my practice. It's just insane. It's crazy. Okay. So is this like typical or also is then like like you said it's a solo practice and you're the only one is it like you need more doctors there as well or this is like typical of a doctor's life most doctors have gone into group practices that Mm -hmm. way you can kind of offload a bit of the work i've tried to do that but my patients are too choosy i guess <laughs> they would mm. only prefer me to see them so in the end i'll be sitting there packed with patients and the other guy is sitting there with nothing to do so i decided ah. i'll just yeah I'll, I'll just do it solo it's it's better ah okay okay that's interesting so you have a two-year-old and two-year-olds are actually a lot of work in fact any child <laughs> under the age of five <laughs> because they can't do anything alone no they can't you have to do everything for them yeah. So that's a whole job. That, that's, a, that's a job when it's on. It's taxing. 
Actually, that's why I decided, you know what, let me just do this Amuk thing now <laughs> while I'm still fit because this guy is taking up all my time. So I'll just do this, take this whole year and do my stuff and do all the races that I want to do. And then after this, I can slow down, pick one race a year. That's what I will do. Uh, I'm not going to retire yet, but uh, it's not possible to go for everything that I want. Now I have a responsibility. You're not that uh, old. Yeah. When I say that to people, they're like, you're still young. <laughs> My children yeah. are 19 and 18. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I tried as much as possible not to have a child but yeah it happens <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so complete I think I think there's two schools of course I had mine so young that now I'm 42 yeah. and my children are adults so I don't yeah. have to worry except for pay expensive university fees but they don't need me for anything much uh. except they depend on me so much emotionally. Uh, like they oh, phone yeah. me and we spend hours on the phone, that sort of thing. But yeah, oh, I know okay. it's hard work being a parent of a young child. I know that. Yeah, so tell me uh, as a parent, when does the blessing start? People are like, kids are such a blessing. <laughs> when, when do you see the blessing part of it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, oh my gosh. <laughs> they're more blessing when they're young <laughs> so if you're not seeing it now I don't know no man uh, yeah uh, every every age is different I mean when they're young they're so cute and cuddly and that's yeah. that's kind of cute and then when they're older like now uh, they're, they're almost like friends to an extent because yeah. at 19, who are you telling what to do? They do whatever they want. Every it's stage true, yeah. is, but enjoy now because the teenagers are the hardest. So yeah, I don't so know. So no blessing you. coming any soon, anytime soon. Okay, it's fine. No, it's I just hard it. work. Yeah. A lot of heartbreak, but uh, a few happy moments here and there. Your whole... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang with it. I've, I've run 100 miles. Come on, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's so tricky. Uh, okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, it just happened. Oh, my word. Yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts, but I, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. So, obviously, you've told me why you, you tackled Amak. How did you know about it? Like, how did it come into your sphere of knowledge, Amak? That is. Oh, okay. How did I start with that? Mm. Um, I met this guy called Sean um, mm. and Sheena. <laughs> or Keith. Yes, I know. So them. these are the, the guys who run um, Ado. Yes. So I met him at uh, UTCT, Ultra Trail Cape Town, and he was wearing Vibram. So I wear Vibram five fingers, the, the, the Todd shoes. Mm. 
mm. the five calls. Yeah. So I wear that. I, I I would wear that to work. That was my like shoe for work. So I had like pairs of them. And I needed to buy more. So I met him there wearing them and he was running in them. Like, wow, you're running a whole race in this. Where do you get them and stuff? And he pointed me. And he was like, no, you need to come down to Adre. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll think about it. 100 miles now, I'm not there yet. And then I think we met for like three years in a row. And every time we were like, Keleso, you need to come to Ado. And then he told me about Amok. So that mm. was 2019. I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's time to do Amok. So I went and did Ado. And it, was, it wasn't so bad. I was like, okay, this is fun. Oh, I'm doing Amok. So the next race was uh, Drunkensberg. I was on a roll. So I decided to go and do my two oceans because that was my 10th two oceans to get my blue number. That's a whole adventure that happened. But anyway, long story short, I gave a guy a lift from Vinduk to, to Cape Town. And this guy had a cough in the car. Oh. Because this small kind was coughing all the way. And you know, I, was, I was too polite to, to not take him because he was going to two oceans and it was the last day we had to drive that night. So we went, we drove there, and I went and ran my two oceans, got my blue number. But Drunkensberg was the following weekend. So I literally drove back to Vinduk, and uh, I had to fly back uh, to Deben. Uh, I think it was on a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of things happened. I missed my flight and ended up getting to um, uh, Anderberg. That's where the, the start is. Ended up getting there around 2 a.m. And then I forgot, I don't know, somehow in my mind, I'm thinking registration starts at 6, so I can go register at 6. But the shuttles to go to the start left at 6. Ah. So I got there at 2 a.m. and I was sleeping. I woke up uh, around 6, 7, then I'm, I'm going down to register. I get there, I'm like, I'm here to register for the 100 miles. They're like, 100 miles? The guy's left at 6. The race starts at 10. You're late. Yeah. And um, you have to drive up to the Lesotho border. It's a, the road was unpaved. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's impossible. It's a 4 by 4 road. Um, do you have a 4 by 4 I'm like, no. I'd, uh, I think I did a Datsun Go or some similar car that I had rented from Devon. <laughs> So mm. I'm like, no, that's the only car I've got. Like, no, you're not even allowed to drive that car on the road. So maybe you should just downgrade and do the 100K. I was mm. like, no way, I'm going. I just ran back to the backpackers, grabbed all my stuff, threw it in the car. It wasn't even packed. Just threw everything in the car and I started driving. I drove that 4 by 4 road in the Datsun Go. Yeah. All the way until I got to the border. And the South African side, they told me, no, you can't proceed beyond here. Did you not see the signs there that say no four by no only four by fours beyond this point? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but I have to get to the start. I'm late. So I said, no, you can't go beyond. Stop here. So I had to stop there and I took my things out, put them on the ground, packed my bags and stuff, and waited. Unfortunately, one guy drove past in a four by four and he gave me a lift. Yeah. I got to the start maybe 30 minutes after everyone had left. So I just jumped in and ran. And now <clears throat> the Drunkensberg, you run up uh, Tabana Tlechan, the, the big mountain in Lesotho. When I got to the top, I blacked out, literally. 
like I, but I managed to catch up with everyone. I blacked out, I, and then I couldn't breathe. My lungs just stopped working. Mm. That's when I realized that I've got an infection. I've got a chest infection. Oh. I just could not run. But anyway, I I just soldiered on until I think I was the last runner uh, to be cut off at the, I think at 100 and, 140 kilometers, I got cut off then, but I was sick at 140. I just could not breathe. Then I had to fly back to Vinduka. I was in hospital for a week. It was bad. So I, and then I was like, okay, it's fine. I can't continue with the other races because my amuk is down. Yes. Frankensberg is out. So 2020, I went back and started Ado again. This time I was like super, super fit. I think I hit my best uh, 100 miler time there. Uh, I was even in the top 10. I felt good. I think that's the year when it was very hot and people almost died there to stop yes. the race. There I flourished. I enjoyed myself in the heat. <clears throat> that was 2020. And COVID happened, so Drunkensberg was cancelled. <laughs> yes, COVID happened. Yes. So technically, this is my third attempt. At, this was my third attempt at Amok. Because ah. last year, Namibia was still closed. I couldn't travel out of Namibia. We couldn't get into South Africa. Yeah. So um, it, it was more of a local thing last year in 2021. Ah. But at least this year, things even this year, it was kind of like uh, last minute. I called Okif, I did not register, I just called them with like a, a few two weeks to go to say, Guys, I did not register. May I please come? <laughs> they said, Okay, we know you come. Yeah, that's how I got into Run Ado. But I decided this year I was actually not going to do any running, but then been going through some stuff. Uh, my mom passed away in January. Oh. That's why I was like, I, I don't know. I think I was depressed for months afterwards. Mm. And, and then I just decided, you know what? Let me just do this. You can, I can, you know, you never know. This could be the final year you run. What if I die tomorrow? My mom had a sudden death, like just out of the blue, never sick and stuff. So mm. I figured, what if this happens to me? You know, it can happen to anyone. Mm. So I, don't want to keep postponing this thing. Let me just do it and get it over and done with. Then I decided, let me just call these guys and see if they'll give me a space. And they did. And yeah, that's how I I came and went to do uh, do Amuk. Wow. Sorry about your mom, Kelet. So. Oh, thanks, Linda. Uh, Maybe you got my entry because... (laughs) Did you register for Ado? I did. And you didn't come? No, because I came to Japan. You you only moved now? Yeah, I've only been here six months. (laughs) Oh, shame. Sorry. No, no. Oh, okay. Congratulations. I I don't know. (laughs) No, it's okay. Uh, No, no, no. It's fine. Um... Uh, yeah, I'm still a newbie here. Um, oh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, um, I know I just quickly moved on from it. How old was your mom, if if you don't mind? Uh, she was 72. Okay. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, no, it kind of did. Yeah, I'm sure she was happy to see her grandchild, though. She'd never 
met him. No, because, because of, of COVID. COVID. Oh. Could not travel, could not just over the phone on FaceTime and stuff. Yeah. Oh no, COVID was so bad. And it was. And the lockdowns, yes, they were effective to an extent, but I think at some point people lost sight, that's my opinion, of the benefit versus the pros and cons, because there's also psychological effect that happened to people, that actually some people died from the psychological effects of it. It's true. I, I, I'm, it's still debatable if lockdowns did anything at all. Yeah. I don't see any medical benefit that looked. So COVID stopped uh, infecting people and then only started at 9 p.m. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Ugh. It's like the you'd wear a mask and then you enter a restaurant and you take off your mask. You take it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't even. These guys, no, I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so as well. Uh, it's fear. It's, it's what happens when people are afraid. Some it's sort of true, rule yeah. maybe makes them feel like they're in control somehow. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, because this thing was just out of control. So they were trying to feel like in control of something. Yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. Yeah. So from yeah. your talk, I have a few things that I want to say. So uh, yeah. from your 2019 with the guy with the cough in the car, uh, yeah. it's a life skill, Kelet. So you need to say to someone, listen, you're not feeling well. I'm sorry, I won't be able to give you a lift. <laughs> I discovered it when we were driving already, like 30, 40 <laughs> kilometers out of town. And because. <laughs> Oh no, what would you cough? <laughs> yeah, I've got a small cough. <laughs> okay. That didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Like, you know, I'd get out of my car. I can't. <laughs> He's my friend. We, are, we have known him for a while, so it's hard. It's hard. Do you know what I say to my kids when I'm tra- like when I have a race, like if it's yeah. an important race? Two weeks before, uh, I'm like, no hugging, no kissing, distance. You're gonna make me sick. Oh my! I'm like, no, guys, come on. So everyone sort of understands. I know some people who don't even sleep with their partners a month before comrades. Okay, I'm not that extreme. Yo. I wouldn't be that extreme, but I know some people like that. I see sick people until the day I leave for the race. <laughs> At least 20 in a day. Well, I think yeah. you, you don't take these things too seriously. But, okay, that was yeah. crazy, that story about you um, for UT, UTD, like you driving and then going to the start and then, what? The no. universe was like, okay, let's say you're sick, you shouldn't run this race. So the universe was throwing blockers along the way. Same. I was not supposed to get there. My, it's like my flight from Vinduk landed late. So which means I, I missed my connecting flight to Durban. Mm-hmm. So now I had to get there and try and get a flight in time to get, there, to, get to Durban and rent a car. And there was thick mist and fog and the drive from Deben to, to Drunkensburg itself was just from I think I left midnight it was bad <laughs> it was the whole thing everything just went wrong 
looking back now yeah okay so i'm a big proponent of like listening to your instinct the universe will yeah. show you signs beat god beat the universe like usually they there are things saying to you stop listen like looking back can you clearly see that your body everything was trying to say maybe sit this one out or or you don't see it i'm just curious okay um if i'm to tell you every adventure or every interesting thing that happens to me with mm-hmm. literally every race i run then will not finish when i did my comrades um my second comrades i did my first one 2010 so 2011 mm-hmm. this is a back to back medal everyone goes for that so i was like you know i should do my back to back and then i'll be done <laughs> or i took a bus from joburg to deben i don't know what happened there i got sick on the bus mm-hmm. uh the day rest the following days we registered i still didn't feel okay Mm-hmm. On the morning of the run I coughed up blood. I literally I saw I coughed into my hand. I, like, <coughs> I looked at my hand and there was splitter with blood and I made the start no of comrades. Okay? So this is a once off opportunity to run a back to back. If you don't come back the following you don't do a back to back. You don't get recognized for back to back. I have trained all year. That was the last time I trained for comrades. I've trained all year. I'm feeling super fit. I'm at the start. I've traveled from job from Vindu to Deben. Mm-hmm. I what will you do? What would you do? You have coughed up blood now. Like 30 minutes before the start. So I was like, you know what? There are medics on the way. There's ambulances. I'm going to go in. I'll run as I feel. If I feel great, I'll run and when I stop feeling great, I'll just get into an ambulance and I'll be fine. So I got on and I ran. I think the first 20k I was going fast. I felt super cool. I was like, yeah, that was nothing. And then from from nowhere I just started coughing. So it was so bad my chest hurt. I got to the first uh, medic station and I said, guys, I feel like my chest is tight. I'm not getting in enough air. Do you have any like asthma pump or nebulizer or something that I can take just to help me breathe? The guys are like no no I think the next station will have okay cool then I ran to the next station and the next one and, and it ran I would run five steps literally and stop and cough and then when I was like shit I'm okay sorry I can't it's okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to finish this thing then I look I'm like I'm left with 20 kilometers I'm going to finish it I yeah. finished in 11:55 whoa I was sick. I also just had to fly back immediately to Windhoek the following day and I was in hospital for about a week the chest x-ray showed an entire white out of one lung. I had a pneumonia. I was sick. So from that day I was like look I ran comrades with one lung. No. Why should I train for comrades ever again? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that that's the kind of uh, philosophy I have. I've done the impossible and I made it alive. So I'm, I'm bulletproof. Nothing can kill me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> With Crazy. Ado, 
with Ado, I drove. We drove from Zinduk. I decided to go with the family. I don't know why we couldn't get flights. Oh, there was uh, something to do with the Kulula or something that yes. went bankrupt. We couldn't get flights. And Namibia went down. We could not get flights out of Zinduk. Mm. So we drove. I said, we're going to drive. We drove to Ado. It's 2,000 kilometers from Zinduk to, to uh, Port Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So we drove and I booked like an Airbnb and stuff. We get there, we find the person had lied about the Airbnb. It's the wrong, the room is wrong. And it's, it's just not what we booked. We thought you we were booking an apartment somewhere. It's not. Mm-hmm. So that we got there very late. Now I have to start looking for a place to sleep. It was bad. And we've been driving all day. And mm-hmm. Ado was starting for the following day at 12. <laughs> I think we got a place to sleep around 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and then woke up early to now drive to the park. We found some roadworks. The place was blocked. I got to the start line um, with, like, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to spare. Mm -hmm. I changed in the car. I literally put on my clothes and my, my backpack in the car and ran out to the start line. Wow. That was adult. So my legs were dead. dead, dead. I, I just could not run. I, I suffered in that adult this year. It was bad. Because I was telling myself, look, last time I ran it, I was like flying. I just blew this thing. It's not hard. Mm-mm. But now here I am. I did not sleep. And I was driving all day. We were swapping with my girlfriend. And my legs were stiff because we've just been sitting in the car for the last. It took us more than 24 hours to drive. Because yes. of the driving up and down now, looking for a place to sleep. It was bad. Yo. But I still managed to finish. I think I did 30, 35, 36 hours of Ado. Wow. I literally walked the, the whole way. On top of that, my watch died on me. I couldn't recharge the battery. I was busy fiddling around with my watch and got lost and found myself. There was a leopard roaring around in the darkness. It was, Ado was just insane. (laughs) It was bad. But in the end, it was a nice adventure. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm bulletproof. Okay, so this is my theory is (laughs) that you enjoy these things. If life was simple and straightforward for you, you would actually get bored. So that's why the crazy is there. So that's why they happen to you because you're comfortable with it. You need that. You need that adrenaline. You need that of like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? What are we going to do? Are we going to make it? Uh, Maybe if everything was smooth flowing, it, it wouldn't be exciting for you. My question is, how do you now survive just a normal, simple life then? I can't. I have to make it exciting. That's why I'm a general practitioner, but the stuff that I do is way beyond general practitioners. Mm -hmm. So I do operations. I I do cesarean sections. I I do a lot. I do artificial insemination at my practice. There's nothing that I don't do just to get things a bit more exciting. And you're regular. Hey, here's a prescription for your flu. No, I don't do that. So you must be the interesting doctor. Okay, so this is so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, I just, I need excitement. 
How many how many babies have you delivered? Do you know? I have no idea. I I think I can go through, um, but I, it's not a lot. I deliver probably like fifty babies or so, mm-hmm. roughly per year. Yeah. Yo, that's still a lot. Yo, okay. Uh, do you know this thing? This person—it's not a personality test per se, but it's like a—it's per- like a typing system called the Enneagram. No, I'm not no. Okay, no. it's just interesting. Your personality is very fascinating to me. That is all. <laughs> that is all. Uh, you, you, what did you study? Psychology or something? No, I didn't. Um, no, no, no. Uh, since I got divorced, uh, I think since basically my divorce, I've done uh, a lot of like soul searching a lot of therapy a lot of self-development stuff and things like that so obviously I do things like try to understand my personality try to understand why I do what I do what affects the decisions that I make um because uh, in life what we do is we okay now this is psychology or whatever is generally in life, people like children experience stuff that shapes their personality. You'll know this, right? That's true. We become the people we are because of experiences we've had as children. Mm. And we develop coping mechanisms to help us in the world because of what we went through as children. So it depends what you went through. You'll develop different types of coping mechanisms. And then what usually happens is when we reach a certain age, midlife or whatever, People usually Mm. go through something hectic. For example, mine maybe was a divorce or whatever. And when people go through something hectic, people sometimes then turn to religion or turn to something or find or try to discover themselves. And then either they keep doing the same things they've done as children to cope or they um, basically wake up and realize that they've been living subconsciously and making decisions or living a life based on coping mechanisms they developed as children and maybe they start to cope in healthier ways don't know if that makes sense okay i hear you i hear i'm trying to see where i fit in as a child nothing really happened to me i spent most of my time in the library i think i read all I read, I read all the hardy boys adventure stories for boys adventure yes. stories for girls I read all the Nancy Drews, the Five Found Outers, this famous yes. Five Secret Seven. Yes. I finished the books in the library. I, I read everything. And as I get, got older, I went into Agatha Christie, Stephen King. I read everything. Alistair McLean, Robert Ludlam. I read everything. <laughs> my, my whole life was in books as a child yeah no i mean it's not necessarily (laughs) our personalities are not necessarily bad things our personalities are just who we are but you come across to me as um you i think you have a similar personality to my son uh maybe you don't Uh, he's a he's still very a young man but you this is my take from what i'm observing from talking to you you are a person who hate who has routine but you don't like you like adventure you want to do like the next adventure. thing you want yes. to know what's next you want life to be so exciting you want to be able to make decisions off the seat of your pants you want to be able to say i want to do this tomorrow and be able to just do it yeah and, and that's what that's precisely what i do 
Yes. So that's the impression I'm getting. So it's just fascinating to me. And you don't do things in half measures. So you're not like I would, for example, get to the race and they would say the hundred milers have gone and I would be like, ah, okay, I'll do the hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. then again, I'm such a planner and I worry so much. I would have planned everything in advance because I would have imagined the risk of that happening, that I would have planned so much in advance that that would not happen because of my risk perception. But that's because of my personality. Yeah, but I feel people who do that are more stressed than people who just go with the flow. Because maybe you cannot they are. control. You <laughs> cannot control the universe. You should leave, leave room for 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 serendipity, leave room for things to happen. <laughs> it's the perception of control. It's the perception that gives yeah, you some yeah, sort of I peace guess. of mind. Because you what, feel like yes. <laughs> I I wear a uniform. Okay. And I used to wear scrubs. Now I've decided I'm going to wear a white shirt and gray pants. That's it. So I buy five of them. One for each day. So mm-hmm. that helps to to save saves me a lot of time. So I don't need to worry about what am I wearing tomorrow. So I just wake up, wear my uniform, go to work. <laughs> it saves a lot of time. That's as far as planning goes. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, I could never do that. That would kill me because then I can't <laughs> express my individuality on a day to day basis. But it makes so much sense. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's that's thirty minutes of your day saved already. You making decisions taxes the brain. It does. So if you do that, if you set out, I'm going to wear this for the whole month. Already, you have saved yourself. You have saved your brain that time. That the time you take to make those decisions, which leaves your brain open for other things like fun. <laughs> so you free up. You free up the, it's like memory on a computer. You free up the RAM so that your brain can concentrate on other things <laughs> rather than deciding what to wear. Oh my God. It makes so much sense to me. <laughs> Make me laugh. <clears throat> That's so funny. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. I am, you've already told me so many uh, crazy stories, but. Uh, <laughs> Like it's saving time. Yes, I know yeah. logically it makes sense. Um, yeah. what you're saying makes sense. Decision fatigue is a thing. So deciding what to wear every day makes sense because you obviously have to make so many decisions as a doctor. It's like true, yeah. your, your patient comes in, every patient that comes in, and I bet they rely on you for more than just medical care. Yeah. I bet they tell you all their life stories as well. I feel like a pastor. <laughs> I'm like, this is my church. I'm preaching here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was listening actually to a podcast the mm. other day, and they were talking about how, yes, we have the traditional church system, but we all minister to our communities wherever we are. Whether you're a yoga instructor, whether you're a teacher, that is your community, and you give to them some sort of ministry, in quotes, if that makes sense. So you do pay. No, it, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's about uh, listening. 
I have to listen. I listen. Um, you, someone's coming complaining about the headache. But if you really listen, it's, it's not about the headache that they are there for. They, you, this is when you find out, so are you sleeping well? Then they'll say, oh, no, I haven't been sleeping because I'm, you know, I'm so stressed. Okay, what's stressing you? And then they start crying. I run out of tissues in my office every month. I have to replace the box. Because people start crying like at random. And I'm not really comfortable. But it is, sometimes they just want to talk. And all you do is listen. You just listen. And, and they feel better afterwards. Yeah. Life is so hard, isn't it? Yeah. Now people are going through a lot. Everyone is going through something. So yeah. I try to be kind, just be kind to everyone because everyone, trust me, is going through some sort of stuff and they don't need you to add to their stress. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, because, so, yeah, so I can see you actually have like quite a lot on your shoulders. I guess logically, even your approach to life makes sense. Otherwise, how would you have space for other people as well? Yeah, I just, I don't have time to stress about my life. My life should be the, <laughs> should be the free space I go to after work. Yeah, yeah, no, th that makes sense. Um, so I'm guessing because you, you're not like crazy mileage person, you obviously have you ever experienced a burnout from running or you never get to that point i've never done that i don't know what that is <laughs> i did um there was a time when i had qualified for comrades and i did nothing mm -hmm. and I, I was like sure i have it's only two weeks to go to comrades and i've done zero zero mileage i decided to run 20 kilometers every day for five days uh, so that I get at least a hundred, you know, something. <laughs> I, got, I got a stress fracture uh, like one week before comrades. <laughs> but yeah, that didn't stop me either. You still went and ran it. <laughs> and how many comrades have you actually run? I, I just did the 10. I, I got my green number 20. Um, when I didn't go this year, I, uh, yeah. Uh, the last the last comrades that was 2019 that's when i got my green number you you just did the 10 did you just throw a just before 10 comrades okay <laughs> <laughs> comrades it's either you do one you do two or 10 after 10 you have to be like 20 or 30 or 40 so i think i'm going to stop here at, at 10 <laughs> Everyone says that. Everyone I've interviewed on my podcast who has done comrades has said those words. Yeah. Those exact words. Because they're like back I, to, I must do the back to back. I must get yes. my green number. I'm at 11. Yeah. I might as well get to 20. Exactly. But I don't, what I want to do, okay, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot since I, I did Kharkiv. I don't want to do comrades again. Mm -hmm. What's the point of doing the same race 20 times? There's yes. so many things to do in the world. You yes. can't do just one. I'm with you but there. Yeah. I wanted to think, okay, if I'm going to do comrades, why not make it a double comrades? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. It's an up run. I'll start uh, in, in my respect and finish in Devon in time to join the other guys going up. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. I'm yes. thinking about it. 
No, you should do it. For next I mean, year. No, you should. Um, yo, there's so people. There's different people who do different things. I know some guys. I interviewed this guy. They do a mm-hmm. spoof comrades. So everyone will be yeah. running proper comrades, and they're running yeah. comrades like on a route parallel to comrades, but Whoa. they're not getting the medal. They call it a, a spoof comrades. They're just doing it. Yeah. So I would. They, I want to do a back to back, like just run there and get there at five, and then, join everyone else, and no, run back. You should do it. I'll. I'll be keen to hear about it. Yo. Okay. Um. So, uh, you run a lot of races, but not so much run volume. It seems like from what you're saying to me, and, um. What's the craziest thing you yourself have done? You've told me a lot of crazy things, but what's the craziest? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm still to do the craziest yet. Um, every okay, craziest in terms of running. Um, in terms of running or adventure type <laughs> things. That one is actually a bit tricky. Because like every run that I've done is crazy. Mm. Um, Carl Kluf, um, I, I've got it in a video clip. Um, the announcer is like, okay, guys, let's go. We're going to count you down now. Okay, let's go. He's there. He's just uh, arriving and he's adjusting his, his bib. 10, 9, 8. I, I just made the start at Carl Kluf. Um, it's also another crazy long story. It's your aura. <laughs> this is this is the latest in a series of misadventures. I call it misadventures. We're doing a recon. Uh, okay, uh, because of COVID, so me and my friend Kesty, um, she's crazier than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she we, we decided to do what is called Gondwana uh, seven marathons in seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, she works for a company called Gondwana. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were the, the sponsors. So because I said, look, Kesti, we have COVID. We are stuck in Namibia. There's nothing to run here. Why don't we come up with our own run? And I know she's always wanted to go around these seven marathons in seven days in seven continents, which mm-hmm. is super expensive. So I said, why don't we do it here? So Gondwana owns like several lodges around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so... They, they agreed and we organized the race. So we run from, we go to a, a lodge, we sleep overnight, wake up in the morning, you run a marathon and then jump in the car, drive to the next lodge. So we're driving like three, 400 kilometers every day between lodges. Mm-hmm. We get there, we sleep, run in the morning. So seven, seven lodges, seven marathons. Mm-hmm. So while we're finding routes for that, so um, it was just me and Kirsty, and we'll go around um, in, in, in destinations. We even did part of uh, the Fish River Canyon. So when we were there, we got uh, our backup truck got lost. So that was crazy because that is desert area, and mm-hmm. it was off tourist season. It was during COVID, so there was no cars there. So we told. Um, our backup guys to say, okay, can you drive the car and wait for us at this point? We're going into this canyon, we're going to run through, 
So we didn't even carry stuff. We didn't carry water. We didn't carry anything. So we're like, we'll be seeing these guys within an hour. We get there in an hour and <laughs> the car is not there. Mm-hmm. And there's no cell phone reception. And it's just like the sun is out. It's hot. Namibia gets dry. And, and well, people have died there. Mm-hmm. But um, um, we, we winged it. We <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, we, we had to be rescued by uh, the environment guys because now we were lost. Mm-hmm. The guys who were supposed to pick us up are now looking all over for us. They couldn't find us. So we're like, okay, we've lost our runners. They're supposed to be here. And now um, the radio is going around. Okay, we've lost runners. We have to go pick them up. And this was, this was last year, I think. Yeah, that's when we got lost. Yeah, Whoa. but yeah, we made it out alive. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that is the craziest thing. That is probably the craziest thing. Yo, okay. Yo, I have a lot of Amak, <laughs> but you know, I think your story is actually not about Amak, Keleto, from talking to you. No, that's not the story uh, I'm getting. I'm getting a story of... to Amok. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> the story told itself. I, I thought it was yeah. about a book, but it's it's not actually. That's not your story. Huh. Um, Amuk is I don't know. Um, have you done comrades before? No, I don't think I I ever will actually. Uh, okay, they but um, you've done a marathon. Okay, you have done a marathon. I've done a marathon, and uh, build up to that marathon. Most people. I okay, not me. For me, it was comrades to like, you know what? I just need to do it once. I need mm-hmm. to do comrades once and my life will be complete. Yes. This is the same, same feeling that I'm getting with Amuk. I was like, yeah. you know what? This is impossible to run 400 miles. I can't even think of it. It's like, ugh. but now that I've done it and looking back, I'm feeling like, you know what? I can actually do a hundred miler every month. Whoa. I can do it. That's how I'm feeling now. If there was a race this month or do, yeah, I'm just going to do um, the Cedar Big Hundred Mile, but I think they cancelled it for this year. Yes, I they cancelled it. Yeah, yeah, I could have gone. I was looking at the dates and it wasn't there. If it was there, I probably would be there because I'm like, actually, you know what? It's not. It's just a hundred miles. It's not in the end. It's just numbers. <laughs> I'm not a, an elite runner. I don't care about time, but I know I can run a hundred miles. It's it's doable. Yeah. It's doable. So, so what advice would you give to someone who wants to tackle a mark? Um, okay. This is how I feel. The toughest is Drunken's bag. Mm-hmm. So don't kill yourself at Ado because Ado comes first. Don't kill yourself with Ado. Pace yourself. Um, you can do an easy 35 hours, easy, without breaking a sweat. Drunkensberg will text you. That's where all your energy should go. After Drunkensberg, everything else will seem easy. And that's how it felt for me. Mm-hmm. I can run a hundred calculus. I won't feel a thing. I think calculus is the easiest. Probably. Mm. yeah i think it is no kalkluf is definitely the one they say is the kindest one 
Um, and and for the past yeah, two years, it's actually been well behaved. The weather there usually goes crazy, but for the past two three years, it's been good. Yeah, so I probably got lucky because this year it wasn't so bad. There wasn't mud. It was runnable. Mm-hmm. But then my legs were dead from UTMB, so um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I, I, this is not a fair <laughs> appraisal. But anyone can actually do this. Space yourself nicely at Ado. Go all out at Drunkensberg, and then you're done. Okay, interesting. So uh, what, what, if any, races do you have planned for the future? Uh, this one... Marius is talking a lot about it. Oh man, the the three two hundred milers in America. <laughs> oh, the the triple crown. The triple crown. Oh. I probably want to go into just one two hundred uh, miler. Yes, just one. Yeah, but definitely I'll have to go into Western states. Uh, I think. And maybe the, the Australian 100 miler as well. Which one is in Australia? There is a desert one. Um, I think it's part of the four deserts as well. Ah. And then there is the Tarawera in New Zealand. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> There's so much to do. But I think I'll just limit myself to one per year. Yeah. Because this running thing is expensive. Mm. It's costly, yeah. Mm. Mm. And uh, with kids, it's, it's, it's uh, you because every money you spend, you're like, shit, I could be saving this for my child yes. instead of running away. <laughs> no, you still must do things for yourself, but I know what you mean. Yes, my coach yeah. did Tarawera. Yes. Uh, uh, my coach... I actually was talking to them. I wanted to do it last year, but then COVID closed everything down. Mm. Wow. Okay. That'll be a fun one. Um, Wow. Okay. I I like your way of thinking though, because I think as runners, runners get stuck in a trap of I've done this this year. I'm going to do it again next year and do it again next year and do it again next year. People keep keep doing the same race over and over again. And, but maybe it's got to do with personality types. There's something for routine and doing the same thing. But also the world yeah. is such a big place. There are so many it more things is. to do. It is. You meet uh, friends, you meet different people. You can't go there and meet the same guys over and over. It's good. It's good. Yeah. But in the end, you'll be like, but why? Why? Mm. Mm. I, I don't know if I'll ever run two oceans again. For what? I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the year you ran in 2019, when you're talking about it, I uh-huh. ran in the half with my daughter. Okay. It was her first uh, half marathon. So like we were saying, parallel so it was a proud moment. Hmm? <laughs> and we, we, okay, we were not together, but yeah, we're probably in the same zone. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I mean is like we were in the same place yeah, at the same time, right. but... We didn't even uh, know each other. It's just interesting. Mm -hmm. You know what's crazy? I went to, I was running UTCT. Then I met this guy, um, some Asian guy, and we're talking, we we exchanged names and stuff. I met that guy at the Hong Kong marathon. He stays in Hong Kong. 
I was just running and then I look back and I see him right there. I'm like, dude, you're here. <laughs> That's the running world though. <laughs> yeah. But like, we're meeting here, like we're in Cape Town just now, like <laughs> two months ago and we are here together. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's cool. Okay, that is cool. It's a yeah. bit, yeah. Uh, you make friends you would never make. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm not going to ask you the crazy thing. Again, because I have another one from the fun part of the podcast is what is the craziest thing you've experienced as a runner or something only runners would understand? Um, oh, Marius. Oh, Marius. Marius, Marius told you the story, did he? Yes. He, hasn't. he has. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Marius was running his 200 miles and I caught up with him somewhere uh, they were sleeping. I think it's Sheena O'Keefe were like, okay, why don't you just go with Marius? Um, he's really sleepy. Maybe mm-hmm. you can keep him awake. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with him. And we're going and Marius literally fell asleep. And I was like, you know what? You can't stop. We have to keep going. So yes. Marius was running with his eyes closed. Okay, we're not running anymore. We're just power hiking. Yes. So he would close his eyes. I'm like, just sleep, dude. Close your eyes. I'll be your eyes on the road. So <laughs> if there's a rock, I'll pull him away, pull him this side, push him that side. <laughs> no, he going. didn't tell me that one. When, when he opens his eyes, <laughs> when he opens his eyes, he starts seeing things like, oh, did you see that woman sitting there on the chair? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yes. No, I know this one, yes. <laughs> What's that woman looking? Okay. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see the? And then he started seeing cats everywhere. <laughs> That's when I took out my phone and recorded, and recorded uh, 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 him pointing at the grass and like, uh, it's a cat. <laughs> Shame. Oh, oh, actually, I know what's the craziest thing that has happened to me. Oh, mm-hmm. this happened during Drunken's Bear. So it was in Lesotho, somewhere in the highlands. There, where the sun was about to go down. So I always run with my phone in my pocket, in my front pocket here. So I, I, uh, uh, there was this, there's numerous river crossings at Drunkensburg. So I was about to cross this river. So I took out my phone and I'm like, okay, let me, let me just video this, you know, so I can post this and people can see how tough this thing really is. So I'm like, okay, guys, um, this is me. Yeah, I'm going to cross the river. I'm singing, take me to the river. Da, 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 da. Um, I'm crossing the river. And for some reason, the water just comes rushing down and it sweeps me off my feet. <gasps> like I was like someone just like, <laughs> tripped me I was just like my feet went up in the air and yeah. my phone flew out of my hands <gasps> I was submerged I went deep under the water and I was washed down the stream no. and then I just came up for air and went down now I'm looking for my phone the sun's about to go down it's dusk I'm on my knees in, on the riverbed they just trying I went downstream until I found my phone <gasps> and it was still recording I've got the clip. I'll send it to you. Please send this to me. That's crazy. What type of phone do you have? It's an iPhone. What? 
it was still recording underwater. <laughs> was it still okay after that? It's I'm still using it. 100% oh. fine. It's great. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's great. But I was soaked to the bone. On top of that, I did not carry my waterproof pants. So I didn't oh. have the whole mandatory gear thing. Now I'm wet, completely wet. My, and I didn't pack my things in, in Ziplocs. That's when I learned a lesson. So uh-huh. all my, my spare clothes are wet. And oh. I'm going into a suit where it's freezing. Yeah. There's ice on the ground. I think that was the craziest thing I've ever done. Yo, yo, that's ah. cr- oh no, your your life is 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 crazy. My daughter always says, Ma, life is not a movie. And I'm like, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> With this current calc move, um, I was running, it also was about it was dusk, it was the sun had just set, and there was this thick mist coming in. And this is where we start running. I'm just running. And then I meet this guy running backwards. And the guy's like, I'm like, why are you running backwards? Am I lost? Like, no, no, no. You can't go forward. There's a hippo sleeping on the track. No. Like, what? Because we're like running on the riverbed. Like, there's a hippo in front there. So I've got two of my friends in front. They are trying to skate off. Um, and they're like, guys, are you getting anywhere? They're like, no. So the guy takes out his phone and calls the race organizer and says, guys, I'm at this point here, there is a hippo. And then I was like, you know what? But we can run around it. No. I was like, yeah, but you know what? We need to stop here and warn the other runners because if they come and they run into the hippo, you know. I was like, you can go if you want. Then I was thinking, Esh, man, if I go, I leave him alone. And what if I go there and disturb the hippo and it runs back and just tramples him? You know, the human thing to do, let me just sit here with him and so we sat for maybe half an hour, we waited for these guys, some ranger guys, they came. And mm-hmm. then now we had to sneak up on the hippo to go and see it and see if we can move it. So we are going there like, shh, shh, okay, it's over there, it's over there. With our torches, we shine on it and it turns out it's just a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly where you were. I know exactly where you guys were. I know exactly where that is. <laughs> like that's your hip. <laughs> that was cut <laughs> I actually know exactly where you were. I know the place. Oh my god. A lot god. of people take pictures there, I guess. Yes. Also, I took a picture of the guy stamp standing on his hippo. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I actually know that place. Oh, that's so crazy. Because I'm thinking cocktail of hippos. Not likely. Yeah. But ha, huh? okay. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, book recommendation <laughs> can be running related or just in general. Uh, I've read a million books. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> I've read too many books. So, no, uh, one you recommend from this year. How's that? From this year, mm-hmm. um, I read the terminal list. Is it good? Okay. Well, the terminal list is fun. It's been made into a series by uh, it's, it's by a guy called Jack Carr. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's, 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 uh, the guy used to be uh, a Navy SEAL. So okay. he's basically writing from experience. And um, it, it's fiction. It's fiction. It's, it's about a, a secret agent. It's not a secret agent. Uh, a, a Navy SEAL called James Reese. And he has this list of people to kill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice. Okay. Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes I just like to read uh, fiction because you want to escape from <laughs> from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the Terminal List is the best book I've I've read so far this year. Oh, okay. I've done I've read a lot of Wilbur Smith, but Jeka I think takes it the Terminal List. Okay, and then movie or TV series that you would recommend. Um, there's a, a movie, this is, I, I don't do much sport watching, do I? No, I don't. Okay. There's a, a, a very, very nice series uh, called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Um, oh, yes, I've seen that on Netflix and I was like, should I watch this or not? It's on Netflix. It's super good. Okay, it's written by Stephen King, so I'm a bit biased. I've been reading Stephen King for years, mm. um, but it's 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 simple. It's basic. It's supposed to be a horror, but that's how Stephen King horrors are. Mm. They are not horror until you're done, and then you start thinking back and you start looking for lessons in 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 the and you start looking for the horror in it. But while you're watching it, it's fascinating. It's it's, it's, it's based on a short story, so it's really short, and you feel like this can actually continue in so many different ways. Mm. But it's very, very nice. I, okay. I enjoyed it. I actually watched it last night. Okay. It was, I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you, Kaleto. Yeah. I mean, we have so much to talk about, but oh, I'll be kind to the sorry, listeners. I, we're supposed to be talking about running. I'm sorry. I, no, don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Don't apologize at all. Uh, oh, where can we find you on social media? Um, okay, I'm everywhere. I used to have like emails everywhere. That was so cool. When I was like, classy at yahoo.com, classy at hotmail.com, classy. At, okay, but uh, now <laughs> I'm coming from a bit like that, that golden age. Yeah, but I'm on Twitter, uh, classy doc. I'm also on Instagram, classy doc. And mm-hmm. Facebook a little. Okay. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I will put the links. Uh, uh, you know, um, thanks, Kaleto. I think I like this is interesting because it shows a different way of, of doing this running thing. We all don't have to do the same thing and follow the same ritual. Be a runner, but be yourself as a runner. Thank you very much. I try to be that all the time. If you ask anyone who has ever run with me, I think everyone will remember me for my beautiful singing voice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've sung with a lot of people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Every race. Ah. Every race, we end up singing something. Ah, that's nice. Uh, I'm teaching English here. Yeah? And I teach these yeah. little kids, right? And of course, they mostly yeah. speak Japanese and a little bit of English. But I sometimes end up singing. And this girl, she goes to the receptionist in Japanese. She's like, Linda Sensei likes music. 
Then she's yeah. like, but I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> I love music. Uh, okay, I, I, I listen better than I sing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, your music uh, makes the world go round. It's true. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for chatting with me, Linda. Okay, Kalata, thank you. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. To support the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It means a lot. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Running Voyager for updates. Here's to a week full of great adventures. Cheers.